0: This is a recording of the Interpreter Foundation and an apostolic charge by Daniel C. Peterson, published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, read by Steve Metcalf. Abstract: In April 2006, Dallin H. Oaks, in unpublished remarks at the naming of the Neil A. Maxwell Institute for Religious Scholarship as the successor to FARMS, reminded listeners that quote, this institute belongs to God. Close quote. On November 10, 2018, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, also in unpublished remarks, titled The Maxwell Legacy of the 21st Century, renewed that commitment. The Institute should be, quote, as faithful as eternal truth, and as bright as the light of truth that is in us, close quote. This is, likewise, the vision of the Interpreter Foundation, in contrast to Latter-day Saint academic ventures at some universities. It should be quote, significantly different from the present national pattern," close quote. Elder Holland emphasized. Quote, "There are times when our faith will require an explicit defense." Close quote. The Interpreter Foundation aspires to be in the fore of any such efforts. In unpublished remarks presented on 26 April 2006, at a relatively small dinner celebrating the naming of the Neil A. Maxwell Institute for Religious Scholarship. Elder Dallin H. Oaks, then of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and currently first counselor in the Church's first presidency, was forthright. He said This institute belongs to God. It must pursue an unconditional commitment to his cause, without any obsessions or any cultivation of cheering constituencies. The work of the Neil A Maxwell Institute for Religious Scholarship must be genuine and pervasive as broad as the spiritual interests of the children of God, as faithful as eternal truth, and as bright as the light of truth that is in us. Quote. As one of the leaders of the Maxwell Institute, formerly known as the Foundation for Ancient Research and Mormon Studies, or FARMS, at that time, I was present for that memorable dinner, at which President Boyd K. Packer of the Twelve also spoke to us. I hope that someday the texts of both speeches will be publicly available. It was a thrilling evening and an inspiring one. Their vision of the work of the Maxwell Institute was also ours, and I hope and believe it is the vision of those of us involved today with the Interpreter Foundation. It was also an emotional evening for us as well as for others, including members of the Maxwell family, who were in attendance. Elder Maxwell, who had died nearly two years before, on 21 July 2004, had been a beloved friend and an open, articulate, encouraging supporter of our efforts. On Saturday evening, 10 November 2018, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland of the Council of the Twelve delivered the 2018 Neil A. Maxwell Lecture on the Provo, Utah campus of Brigham Young University. His remarkable address, given under the auspices of the university's Neil A. Maxwell Institute for Religious Scholarship, was entitled, The Maxwell Legacy in the 21st Century, I am speaking only to the work of the Maxwell Institute tonight, Elder Holland said, and not to the whole of BYU's academic effort. Still, he added, I hope that much I say will apply across the entire campus and beyond. In my judgment, his remarks indeed apply beyond his immediate audience at the Maxwell Institute, and in what I hope is the spirit of First Nephi 19.23, I will make an effort here to begin to apply them to the work of the Interpreter Foundation, with which I have been associated since it was launched shortly after my departure from the Maxwell Institute in 2012. I did liken all scriptures unto us, wrote Nephi, that it might be for our profit and learning. The 2018 Neil A. Maxwell Lecture offers us, along with those at the Maxwell Institute, An opportunity to evaluate what we're doing in the light of the teachings and priorities of those who have been divinely called to lead the church at this time, and a chance to correct our course if that should prove necessary. The Swiss Protestant theologian, Karl Barth, 1886 through 1968, borrowing a phrase associated with St. Augustine, famously insisted that the Christian church must be semper reformanda, always reforming or always reformed. I like the phrase and the sentiment behind it, and I believe it is true of all of us as individuals and of every organization. Elder Holland's speech had much to say about contemporary academia, which, in a sense, is extraneous to the Interpreter Foundation, since the Foundation operates independently, without academic institutional support, and without a campus base because many of those involved with it do not occupy academic positions still many of us are professionally or peripherally involved with scholarship more than a few of us were once deeply involved in the maxwell institute and there is no question whether the broader scholarly world agrees with us or not that the interpreter foundation is deeply involved in a scholarly enterprise elder holland's expectation that the maxwell institute be quote a faithful rich rewarding center of faith-promoting gospel scholarship enlivened by remarkable disciple scholars close quote is certainly our expectation or hope for ourselves scholarship is scarcely limited to college and university campuses sometimes in fact especially when i observe american academic life in general i worry that scholarship may face some of its most serious threats precisely there among professors administrators and bureaucrats himself a former dean and then from 1980 to 1989 the ninth president of brigham young university as well as the former commissioner of the church educational system 1976 to 1980 elder holland phd yale university left no doubt about the authority with which he spoke with the humility incumbent upon anyone making such an assertion he told his audience i come tonight in my true identity as an apostle of the lord jesus christ Although I accept sole responsibility for all inadequacies, limitations, errors, and missed opportunities in this message, I am here with not only the blessing, but also the rather explicit expectation of the officers of the university's Board of Trustees, whose executive committee I currently chair. In that sense, I speak for all of your governing advisors, not just for myself. I can think of few other entities on this campus, he continued, that have received the attention from the general officers of the Church that the Maxwell Institute has, at least lately. I offer my non-campus-wide, non-Marriott Center appearance in this modest venue as evidence of that tonight. The Lord's Prophet, who chairs your board and his fellow Apostles, who sit with him, sent me to you. We hope it is affirming to you to have their strong, active interest in you at a time when the direction and priorities of the church are being discussed as almost never before, we hope you welcome such focused attention as you are measured for your role in these developments. Quote. Elder Holland even quoted from an email sent to him by Russell M. Nelson, the president of the church, on 25 October 2018, roughly two weeks before his lecture at BYU quote, Part of the Maxwell Institute problem is its identity close quote, President Nelson wrote. He said church leaders need to help Maxwell Institute leaders quote know who they are and why they exist. Close quote. Within the first few minutes of his speech, Elder Holland referred to Joseph Smith's first vision, the reality of continuing revelation, the advent of the true king, and the significance of the end times, observing that at least some in his audience, quote, must be thinking this opening a bit melodramatic. For the purposes of this particular gathering, however, he continued, I prefer to see it as apostolic. These are the topics that absorb fifteen of us who toss and turn when we would like to sleep and slumber. Close quote. Elder Holland noted that quote, Mormon studies programs on other campuses are designed to be primarily academic ventures, not spiritual ones, which is perfectly understandable. Close quote. He cited three examples. The first is located at Utah State University, where it proclaims that it, quote, does not promote or reject any particular religion, close quote. The second, Claremont Mormon Studies in California, says it promotes understanding of the church, quote, without necessarily advancing or disputing the veracity of its faith claims, close quote. The University of Virginia's Mormon Studies program describes its work principally as engaging, quote, Mormonism, both as a significant cultural fact and as a research subject. Remarked Elder Holland These programs are, for the most part, a way for other people to look at us, making no particular call upon one's belief and having no particular covenantal consequence after the course is over, or the essay is written, or the seminar has ended. And, as he says, he is fine with that. For such non-Latter-day Saint campuses. However, he declares, quote, I would be the first to oppose such an effort on this campus if all it meant was a thoughtful exploration of our religion's richness or its intellectual substance or its historic resilience. Certainly your trustees would find it troubling. In the spirit of full disclosure, you should know that initially I was against any proposal to do at BYU what was called Mormon Studies Elsewhere because I knew what Mormon Studies Elsewhere usually meant. However, over time I have come to see merit in a Latter day Saints Studies effort at BYU if you are willing to make it significantly different from the present national pattern. If you are willing to be truly unique, I can certainly endorse the idea that BYU should have a hand. On any academic tiller dealing with the church, becoming a place to which other such programs and chairs and lectureships might look for leadership. Close quote. In other words, to the extent that Mormon studies, or whatever we eventually come to call it, is to be practiced at Brigham Young University, it can never be merely identical to what is done elsewhere, and faithful Latter day Saint scholarship will always tend to be different. Quote, of necessity, we will often be a peculiar people in the academy as well as other areas of life. Close quote. One way to maintain balance at the Maxwell Institute, Elder Holland suggested to his audience in November, would be to remember that while the Maxwell Institute may include a Mormon studies component, quote, albeit one determinedly unique in its nature, close quote, it cannot reduce itself to that alone. Quote, No disciple-scholars who invite others to study us even as we study ourselves, and who speak to the faithful every bit as much as to the detached. You will have to be comfortable being true oddballs, in that you are going to speak to both groups. It will usually not be in the same documents, probably not with the same vocabulary, and seldom, I would guess, in the same venue. But both of the believers and the merely curious need to be able to see you as a source for some of the answers to their questions, however different that source material may be. By speaking to two audiences, I am not suggesting you be two-faced. This is not a call to hypocrisy, but precisely the opposite. When you are writing for the household of faith, you should never write anything that would give your doctoral advisor just cause to accuse you of dishonesty. Likewise, when you are writing for an academic journal, you should never write anything that would give your ministering companion just cause to accuse you of disloyalty. Your soul must be one, integrated, intact, and whole, even as your voice may speak in different languages to different audiences. Close this was my own long standing aspiration for the Maxwell Institute. In a sense, the position of the Interpreter Foundation, and accordingly the challenge that it faces, Is somewhat different from that of the Maxwell Institute and somewhat simplified. Being academically unaffiliated, the foundation is under no obligation ever even to affect neutrality on the subjects to which it devotes its attention. We are committed Latter day Saints, and we don't pretend otherwise. That said, however, we are committed to the standards of sound scholarship, to rigorous canons of evidence and analysis. In the long term, testimonies will not be sustained or successfully defended by the abuse of evidence, or by shoddy reasoning. Moreover, we aspire to create a body of work that, at least eventually, nobody will be able to ignore who is interested in the subjects that we treat, and on which we publish. As part of the background for his remarks, which, he quipped, were very much like, quote, quickly stepping from one landmine to another, close quote, Elder Holland cited an unpublished December 2014 review, of the Maxwell Institute, written by Terrell Givens, David Holland, and Reed Nielsen. The current culture at M.I., says their review, may have lost some of the Institute's founding vision and original purpose. The possibility of such drift had been a specific worry of Elder Maxwell himself, voiced, for example, to a 1991 gathering of what would, after his death, come to be known as the Maxwell Institute. Over the course of his public ministry, Neil A. Maxwell spoke often and eloquently about his ideal of the disciple scholar, and Elder Holland, recalling that ideal, commented on quote, that hyphenated noun Elder Maxwell left us as part of his marvellous linguistic legacy. Close quote. Quote, Not all truths are of equal importance, observed Elder Holland, saying that for Elder Maxwell, the spiritual half of that union was always the more important. Close quote. Quote, Though I have spoken of the disciple scholar, Elder Maxwell himself wrote in the end, all the hyphenated words come off. We are finally disciples, men and women of Christ. Close quote. Quote, but the wonderful thing with Neil and the thing I want for us, Elder Holland added is that it didn't have to come down to a choice between intellect and spirit in a consecrated soul, consecration being one of his favorite doctrinal concepts they would be aligned beautifully, a perfect fit, a precise overlay. But if it did come down to a choice, it would be faith, the yearning, burning commitment of the soul, that would always matter most in the end." Close to both Elder Maxwell and Elder Holland, apologetics, the word is somewhat foreign to ordinary Latter-day Saint usage, but in the context of the Restoration it refers simply to advocacy and defense of the claims of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, describes as appropriate an important and even essential part of such disciple scholarship. Quote, Regarding that faith-filled scholarship of which Elder Maxwell speaks, may I note plainly one thing we expect you to do, because it is central to your raison d'etre. It is to undergird and inform the pledge Elder Maxwell made when he said of uncontested criticism, quote, no more slam dunks, close quote. We ask you as part of a larger game plan to always keep a scholarly hand fully in the face of those who oppose us. As a near-do-well athlete of yesteryear, I was always told you played offense for the crowd, but you played defense for the coach. Your coaches will be very happy to have you play both superbly well, close quote. The mission of the Maxwell Institute, Elder Holland declared, extends well beyond a small, narrow academic elite. Referring to the 2014 review compiled by Drs. Givens, Holland, and Nielsen, Elder Holland commented that, quote, whatever else they had in mind, I thought it a marvelous understatement for them to have said, quote, there will be times when our faith will require an explicit defense, close quote. We want the Maxwell Institute and many others to contribute to that defense with solid, reputable scholarship intended as much for everyday garden-variety Latter-day Saints who want their faith bolstered, at least as much as it might be intended for disinterested academic colleagues across the country, whose stated purpose will never be to prove or disprove the truth claims of the Church." Ranking high among Elder Maxwell's most beloved writers was the great English scholar and Christian apologist C.S. Lewis and in his turn Lewis was vocal throughout the years after his adult conversion to Christianity about his admiration for, and his debt to, the Scottish clergyman and writer George MacDonald. It was entirely appropriate, therefore, that Elder Holland, too, quoted MacDonald in the context of his insistence on the vital need for apologetics. "'Is every Christian expected to bear witness?' asked MacDonald. And then he answered his own question. A MAN CONTENT TO BEAR NO WITNESS TO THE TRUTH IS NOT OF THE KINGDOM OF HEAVEN. ONE WHO BELIEVES MUST BEAR WITNESS. ONE WHO SEES THE TRUTH MUST LIVE WITNESSING TO IT. IS OUR LIFE, THEN, A WITNESSING TO THE TRUTH? DO WE CARRY OURSELVES IN THE BANK, ON THE FARM, IN THE HOUSE OR SHOP, IN THE STUDY OR CHAMBER OR WORKSHOP, AS THE LORD WOULD, OR AS THE LORD WOULD NOT? ARE WE CAREFUL TO BE TRUE? When contempt is cast on the truth do we smile. Wronged in our presence do we make no sign that we hold by it. I do not say we are called upon to dispute and defend with logic and argument, but we are called upon to show that we are on the other side. The soul that loves the truth and tries to be true will know when to speak and when to be silent. But the true man or woman, will never look as if he or she did not care. We are not bound to say all we think, but we are bound not even to look like what we do not think. Close quote. quote. I echo Macdonald's insistence, commented Elder Holland, that while we are not obligated to declare everything we believe at any given time or in any one setting, we are also not even to look like what we do not believe. Quote. In other words, Although not every situation calls for testimony-bearing or explicit defense, faithful Latter-day Saint thinkers and scholars must never seem or pretend to be neutral with regard to the truth-claims of the Restoration in the Church. Quote, We know you can't be credible in every circle if you are seen as lacking scholarly substance and categorically defensive all the time. But neither can you afford ever to be perceived as failing to serve the larger, faith-oriented purposes of the Church. Any scholarly endeavor at BYU, and certainly anything coming under the rubric of the Maxwell Institute, must never be principally characterized by stowing one's faith in a locker, while we have a great exchange with those not of our faith. Neil Maxwell phrased it this way, quote, A few hold back a portion of themselves merely to please a particular gallery of peers. Some hold back by not appearing overly committed to the kingdom lest they incur the disapproval of particular peers who might disdain such consecration. Close quote. And some just hold back, period. Close quote. Elder Holland even suggested some topics on which the Maxwell Institute and other latter day Saint scholars might have something unique to contribute to the broader scholarly world. Quote. What about the current interest in sacred space generally? might we have something to say to our colleagues that would let us elaborate on the significance of holy space in our history and thought? And we have only begun to mind the wonders of the Joseph Smith papers. How do we get those gems out to those not of our faith and get them out without compromising their unique Latter-day Saint characteristics? Close I like to think that the Interpreter Foundation is well positioned to contribute to such discussions. We have, for example, convened several conferences devoted to the study of the temple. Most recently, the Temple on Mount Zion Conference held at Brigham Young University on 10 November 2018, the very day of Elder Holland's evening remarks to the Maxwell Institute, and published three books on the topic. And, as resources permit, we intend to expand and deepen our commitment to temple studies. With regard to Elder Holland's mention of the Joseph Smith Papers Project, I hereby publicly confess that one of my dreams for the Interpreter Foundation is for it to organize and host a conference devoted to what that ongoing research, editing, and publishing effort is disclosing to us about the personality and moral character of the founding prophet of the Restoration. There remains much to be done and much excitement to be had. Part of that excitement will come in doing whatever we can to fulfill the expectations and hopes shared on behalf of his fellow living apostles and prophets. By Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. I am grateful for the Interpreter Foundation and for all those who have made it possible. It is a genuinely marvelous vehicle, not obviously the only one, but a good one, for contributing to the kingdom. Daniel C. Peterson, Ph.D., University of California at Los Angeles, is a professor of Islamic Studies and Arabic at Brigham Young University and is the founder of the university's Middle Eastern Texts Initiative for which he served as Editor-in-Chief until mid-August 2013. He has published and spoken extensively on both Islamic and Mormon subjects. Formerly Chairman of the Board of the Foundation for Ancient Research and Mormon Studies, FARMS, and an officer, editor, and author for its successor organization, the Neil A. Maxwell Institute for Religious Scholarship, his professional work as an Arabist focuses on the Quran and on Islamic philosophical theology. He is the author, among other things, of a biography entitled Muhammad, Prophet of God. This has been a recording of The Interpreter Foundation and an Apostolic Charge by Daniel C. Peterson. Published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 30, 2018. Read by Steve Metcalf. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged. The journal and its website are credited and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles on Mormon Scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com. More information about the Interpreter Foundation, along with a wide array of additional resources, can be found at interpreterfoundation.org.